Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, y'all. Thank you, Drew and, and the band. Um, I will tell y'all this, it's always, so I'm Todd, I normally am the singer leading worship, so anytime someone else is going to lead, I kind of hate it, and, uh, but Drew did such a good job, and just to speak to my fear, I woke up early Saturday morning having a nightmare about what the band was going to sound like today, and in my nightmare, they brought out a giant puppet of Moses uh, with a deep dish pizza, I don't know doesn't have any spiritual relevance, but just to show you kind of the tension I always have, and I'm so grateful for Drew. He and the band did such a good job. Before we get into the Word this morning, i got a couple of announcements for you. I want to encourage you and remind you, and thank you for being here, especially if you're watching online. You know, we're not doing the black books right now, but if you are a guest with us, we would love to get to know you. Um, we'd love to encourage you to fill out a connection card digitally. We do, do this through our text number, 903-437-4437, and you can just text the word CONNECT. It simply lets us know that you're here. Um, we want to make sure we're meeting everybody who's new and who's checking us out. That also applies to those of you who are watching on the live stream as well. We'd love to get to know you and thank you for being a part of the service online and answering any questions you might have. You can also use that same number for prayer requests. Um, the staff and elders pray every single week for the needs of our church. The same number, you can text the word prayer, and uh, that'll, be, that'll go on our prayer list. We'd love to know what you're needing prayer for. And you can even use that number if God's answered a prayer. If you've got something you want to thank God and praise him for, um, you can use that number as well and just to let us know. And then the last announcement, want to make sure you know about Bethel Kids Online. Bethel Kids Online launched today. This is a new weekly video video we're doing for our Bethel kids, um, specifically our elementary age, but eventually want to add some content in there for preschool as well, because we're not meeting right now with our kids. And so that actually aired this morning at the beginning of this stream at 930. So on the Facebook Live, uh, folks could watch that as well. But that's going to be available to you on Vimeo. You'll get an email this week with a link reminding you. So if you've got kids, you want some content from them, there's music, there's a lesson, there's even a science experiment in the one that aired today. And so uh, you'll get an email if you're a parent of a, of a Bethel kid, you'll get that. And if you need help finding that, you can email me, Todd at Bethelbible.com. Be happy to share the link with you. Okay, let's look at Jeremiah 15. If you got your Bible or an app, I want to encourage you to go to Jeremiah 15. So this is, um, the challenge of Jeremiah 15 is that we're kind of parachuting into the middle of a story that's already going on. And so my hope and my prayer today is that as we get into the text, it'll become clear, oh, this is why Todd's talking about this. This is why we're reading this thing. But I want to give you just a little background of what's going on in Jeremiah 15. So um, Jeremiah is a prophet to God's people. He's God's mouthpiece. And, and in the book of Jeremiah, what's happening is um, Israel, God's people, are constantly straying from God. Just left and right, constantly doing their own thing and not doing what God says. And so where we're landing in Jeremiah 15, this is happening and it's for real. There are some real threats, there's some real challenges, and Israel just will not heed what God is saying. 
So there are, um, there, there are sins, there are other kingdoms around them that are threatening them. And when we go to Jeremiah 15, we see this picture of what Jeremiah is saying to God's people. So Jeremiah was a prophet. We think he became a prophet around the age of 20. And so for 40, 50 years, he was God's mouthpiece. He, he was a prophet to Israel. In fact, it was during his time that the southern kingdom of Judah fell into captivity. So the story of Jeremiah is not a very happy ending. He is speaking these words, and yet all of these horrible things are happening. They're threatened for years by outside powers, Assyria, Egypt, eventually Babylon. These are God's people. They are a nation that is like hurtling towards judgment. And so Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. Maybe you've heard that before. And he's called that for a couple of reasons. One of them is because over and over and over, Jeremiah has to give this sad news, this bad news. You are not walking with God. Judgment is coming. And in addition to that, over and over and over, he says those things, and Israel completely disregards that. They disregard both the Lord's commandments and the increasing danger that's around them, okay? And so you get this picture of Jeremiah sort of prophesying as the world is burning down. It feels to him like, oh my gosh, this, everything I'm saying, nothing's getting heard. Nothing is being heeded. And so I want to read for you the first, verse, uh, first nine verses of Jeremiah 15. Now, this is set up. This is, uh, this is uh, kind of background. We'll look more in depth in verse 10. In fact, I haven't even put verse 1 through 9 on the screen because it would give the projection guy carpal tunnel. There's so much in verse 1 through 9. So I'm going to read you verse 1 through 9. You can follow along or if you just want to, want to hear. So this is Jeremiah speaking. This is the word of the Lord that Jeremiah is telling God's people. All right, here we go. Then the Lord said to me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my heart would not turn toward this people. Send them out of my sight and let them go. And when they ask, where shall we go? You shall say to them, thus says the Lord, those who are for pestilence to pestilence, and those who are for the sword to the sword, those who are for famine to famine, and those who are for captivity to captivity. I will appoint over them four kinds of destroyers, declares the Lord, the sword to kill, the dogs to tear, and the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. And I will make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth because of what Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, did in Jerusalem. Who will have pity on you, O Jerusalem, or who will grieve for you? Who will turn aside and ask about your welfare? You have rejected me, declares the Lord. You keep going backward. So I have stretched out my hand against you and destroyed you. I am weary of relenting. I have winnowed them with a winnowing fork in the gates of the land. I have bereaved them. I have destroyed my people. They did not turn from their ways. I have made their widows more in number than the sand of the seas. I have brought against the mothers of young men a destroyer at noonday. I have made anguish and terror fall upon them suddenly. She who bore seven has grown feeble. She has fainted away. Her son went down while it was yet day. She has been shamed and disgraced. And the rest of them I will give to the sword before their enemies, declares the Lord. This is why Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He's saying these hard, hard words from the Lord. And there's some things I want to point out in those verses, just so you understand what's going on. What a terrifying thing for the God of heaven to say to his people, I am weary of relenting. 
So if you were to read Jeremiah, you would find that time after time, God will pronounce judgment and then a few people will live right and some things will change and God will give grace. He'll relent. He will not bring that judgment. And then almost immediately, Israel will do something dumb again. And we get to Jeremiah 15 and God says, I am weary of relenting. He also references King Manasseh. So King Manasseh was one of the evil kings of God's people. In fact, if you read about Manasseh, you will find that he established altars to false gods. He consulted with necromancers and witches. Uh, The Old Testament says he shed innocent blood. He even sacrificed his own son in a pagan ritual. God even started that word by saying, even if Moses were before me, even if Samuel, even if these famous beloved prophets were before me pleading for you, I would send them away. And he also says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to banish you people. Some of you are going to calamity. Some of you are going to, to pestilence. Some of you are going to be devoured. I'm, I'm appointing destroyers for you. This is a hard word. God is telling his people that there's going to be famine and disease and violence and sickness and family relationships will be severed and that they're going to have people who seek to be their leaders who are evil. That's what God says is coming. Now, I want to be very careful before I say this next part. I want to be very, very clear. I want you to know that with all my heart, I am so thankful for what God has done for us. God has been good to me. God's been good to you. God's been good to our country. I am so thankful we live in a place where we can freely express our worship to God. We are very, very blessed. But I will be honest with you that when I read Jeremiah 15 and they're talking about sickness and famine and violence and deceitfulness and political upheaval, that feels very close to home right now. In fact, some of you are like me. You've probably grown weary. I feel like every morning I get up and I grab my phone and there's some new terrible thing. There's there's some new horrible thing that's happened. There's some more act of violence. There's so much more political upheaval. And, And I recognize our life in reading Jeremiah 15. It feels like that right now. But Israel keeps turning to their sin. What did God even say? You might have heard what God said. I'm weary of relenting. You keep going backwards. He keeps, he's telling his children, I, I am telling you to get right. I want to do a thing. I want to get glory and honor. And I want, I mean, you're my chosen people. And you keep going backward. And oh my goodness, that absolutely sounds like right now. Like sometimes you, you, you get up and you watch the news and you think, we're going backward. This is not, what's happening? And what God says through that, those whole nine verses, even though this is just set up, what God is saying is it's about their sin. They have a sin problem. When God is saying the way to live, Israel keeps doing what they want to do. They have a sin problem. And listen to me, so do we. And I, I want to be as brave as I can in saying this. Just hear me out. Let me get through the whole list. Republicans have a sin problem. And Democrats have a sin problem. And you've got a sin problem. And I've got a sin problem. And I feel like we are in this day and age where I get up every morning and I read these terrible things. And man, I am ready to start pointing. I'm ready to start going, oh, you're You're wrong. Oh, I watch a conspiracy theory video on YouTube about that. I mean, I'm pointing to everyone. You need to be like this, and you need to do this. And are you... 
And the whole time, words like Jeremiah 15, 1 through 9 are convicting me, and they should convict you to say, hey, wait a minute, someone that's got to go this way. Someone that's got to go, oh, what's my responsibility as a follower of Jesus? Am I, am I going backward? Because I have a sin problem. God wants us, every time we open his word, to look at ourselves. What does the word highlight in us that he wants to change, that he wants to better, that he wants to convict? And then we get to verse 10, where Jeremiah is now going to start talking back to God. And they're going to have this conversation. So this is all set up. This is where God has us, where he's saying, you keep going backwards, you have a sin problem. And I think in this conversation, I'll go and tell you that there are two powerful, convicting truths. One of them that Jeremiah is going to say, and one of them that the Lord's going to say. So just two points in the sermon today, right? So let's go to verse 10. Jeremiah says, woe is me, my mother, that you bore me, a man of strife and contention for the whole land. I have not lent, nor have I borrowed, yet all of them curse me. So Jeremiah's like, hey, wait a minute, God. I mean, you, you, you're going to bring the dogs and the beasts and the pestilence and the sword. And God, I, I, I've been living for you. I've been trying to do the right thing. And they're still coming after me. Some of you feel like that sometimes. Like, God, I, I'm trying to do the right thing. Let's keep going. Verse 11, God responds. The Lord said, have I not set you free for their good? Have I not pleaded for you before the enemy in the time of trouble and in the time of distress? Can one break iron, iron from the north and bronze? This is a reference to these kingdoms, the iron from the north and the bronze. It's a reference to all of these political powers that are seeking to take over God's people. And God responds here and he says, hey, listen, I'm the one who can protect you. I'm the one in charge. So, so Jeremiah, just recognize you can't do anything on your own. I'm, I'm the boss of this stuff. Let's keep going. Verse 13. Your wealth and your treasures I will give as spoil without price for all your sins throughout all your territory. I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know. For in my anger, a fire is kindled that shall burn forever. And now Jeremiah responds. And here's where we're going to find this beautiful, convicting thing that Jeremiah says. It's convicting to me at least. Starting in verse 15, Jeremiah says this. O Lord, you know, remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance, take me not away. Know that for your sake I bear reproach. Your words were found and I ate them and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because your hand was upon me, for you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? This beautiful thing that Jeremiah says is in verse 16. Your words were found, and I ate them. Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Jeremiah is confessing such a powerful truth that in moments of panic and fear and danger and confusion, the thing that will sustain us and feed us is God's word. You can hear the desperation in what Jeremiah is saying. I found your words and I ate them. 
I found the truth, God, and I, I devoured it. I put it inside me. I found your word and I ate them. There is a sense of desperation and of sustenance, which brings me to the first point. What Jeremiah is saying here is that God's word sustains. God's word feeds. God's word is what keeps us healthy. God's word is what keeps us sane. God's word sustains last week, maybe two weeks ago, it was on a Saturday, and I was talking to my wife, Kristen, and man, I was just down. I was depressed. I was discouraged. I was feeling anxious, and I just, I was talking to Kristen, and bless her heart, I mean, she's trying to encourage me, and she's trying to support me, and and everything she's saying, I'm just like this black hole, like nothing's connecting, right? Nothing's landing. I'm sad. I want to be sad. I'm going to wallow in my sadness. I'm going to sit there and be sad in my sadness. And Kristen says to me in the course of this conversation, have you been reading your Bible? To which I went, I mean, not as much. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. When inside I thought, how dare she? How dare she ask me that question? I'm a minister of the gospel. I'm in God's word every day. But the reality is, is the answer was no. I am, I am ashamed to admit that it had been way too long since I had been in God's word. And because it was Saturday, usually Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, I come up to the church and get things set up for Sunday. And so I get in the car and I'm still sad, and I'm still depressed, and I'm telling you, I don't, I don't want to read God's Word. I'm just, I'm just in a bad way, and I think, okay, it takes me about 12 minutes to get from my house to the church, and so I pull out my phone, and I go to this app that I love called Dwell. It's a scripture reading app. Now, a lot of apps have narration, audio Bible. This app is specifically designed for that. In fact, you can pick what kind of music you like behind. You can pick what kind of voice. Personally, I like Felix. He's got the best voice. But I had not opened Dwell in a long time. If you don't have the Dwell app, I I can hook you up. It's really, really good. And I think, okay, I got 12 minutes. I'll listen to the Dwell app. I I won't listen to a podcast or music. I will turn this on for 12 minutes. I open Dwell and I'm just kind of looking. So i see this, this reading plan or this like six or seven day thing and it's called Stop Toxic Thoughts. And I thought, well, that's what I need. And I turned it on and I started to drive. Now listen, I know we are not very touchy-feely around here at Bethel, okay? We probably could stand to be more touchy-feely. We don't talk much about these sort of powerful God moments. I know I probably don't talk about them enough. And maybe, maybe you think I'm being dramatic, but I'm trying to be as honest as I can. But in that 12 minutes, just the reading of God's word, something happened in my car. That this weight, this burden just began to dissipate. Please understand, I wasn't doing a Bible study. I wasn't doing any research. There was just, there was something about filling the car with God's word that it felt like eating after you've been starved. That it felt like this cold water after a hot day outside. And and I thought, oh, that's what Jeremiah is saying. I found your word and I I ate them. But God's word sustains. 
And what's so convicting about that to me is that there are a lot of times I complain like Jeremiah. There are a lot of verses here that you'll hear me say, God, I'm serving you. I've not followed evil ways. I've not been deceitful. I'm trying to be a man of integrity, and yet they curse me. God, where are you? But here's the problem. It's hard for me to complain like Jeremiah if I'm not eating God's word like Jeremiah. See, I got the complaining part down. It's the other thing. It's remembering that it's God's word that sustains. I I need more of God's word and less of everything else. It's what we need. It's what I need. It's what you need. And it is what the world needs. Now listen to what God says in return. Verse 19. Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, I will restore you and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. For I'm with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. I I need to memorize Verse 19, let me say it again. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. I say so much worthless stuff in my life. I just just run my mouth, just say the most worthless, inane, pointless things. I want what verse 19 says. I want to speak as the mouth of God. I do. I want to speak in a way that glorifies him. I I don't want to say what the news says. I don't care what Twitter says. I want what God says to come out of my mouth. That's what I want to repeat. And so in God's response, we're seeing here now the other truth. So Jeremiah's response taught us that God's word sustains. This just said to us, God just said to us is that God's word matters most. But verse 19 presents this huge challenge for us because you and I can't utter precious words if we don't know them. You and I get into so much trouble and it happens when we run our mouths and our hearts are empty. We've got no truth in us, none of God's word in us. That's where we get in trouble. Listen, I know some of you know this, but maybe you haven't heard this in a while. The world doesn't need CNN or Fox News or Glenn Beck or Bill Maher. What the world needs is the Word of God. That's what the world needs. We are like Israel. We're chasing every other thing. When God is saying, if you will utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you will be as my mouth and you will be a fortified wall that nobody can come against. Now, we know this. We know that it's God's word that matters most. Let me just blast you with some quotes and some scripture, okay? I don't even think they're on screen. Just hear me out. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You want to have conversations that get down to the thoughts and intentions of the heart? God's word says scripture does that. 
2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You, you want to reproof people? You want to correct people? You want to make real change happen in the world? 2 Timothy says, oh, scripture does that. James 1, 21, oh man, this ought to be your Facebook policy, Okay. You ought to put this, tape it on your laptop, tape it on your computer, put it over the little camera so the FBI can't spy on you, okay? <laughs> James 1.21, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. There's not a lot of meek word on Facebook. You want to have a life that, that is the implanted word of God that makes real change happen. James 1.21 says, Scripture does that. Romans 15.4, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. You want to have hope? Romans says, Scripture does that. And if that's too churchy for you, maybe you think, well, yeah, that's the Bible. Of course, the Bible's going to brag on itself. I googled quotes about the Bible from famous people, all right? And I, and I tried not to just go to preachers. Here are just some random quotes I found on the first three pages of quotes about the Bible. Harper Lee, the book to read is not the one which thinks for you, but the one that makes you think. No book in the world equals the Bible for that. Are you guilty of stomping around? Nobody thinks anymore. world needs to be, they may be wise. Helen Keller, unless we form the habit of going to the Bible in bright moments as well as in trouble, we cannot fully respond to its consolations because we lack equilibrium between light and darkness. G.K. Chesterton, the Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also to love our enemies, probably because generally they're the same people. John Locke, the Bible is one of the greatest blessings bestowed by God on the children of men. It has God for its author salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture for its matter. It is all pure. We could do this all day. We could find scripture after scripture after scripture and quote after quote after quote to remind us that God's word sustains and God's word matters most. Every single day, you walk into a battlefield in conversations you have, at being online, at work, with friends, with family, every day, you right now especially, you walk into to a world that feels like it's coming apart at the seams. That's the world you walk into. You want to you wanna be a force for change? You want things to happen? You got to do that from the perspective of God's word. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. God's word is what matters most. There are so many things I end up loving more than God's word. And you know how I know that? How much time I spend. The worst, most convicting invention ever made is the screen time counter on your phone. You ever look at that? And, and now Corona's got that thing humming. I mean, sometimes I'm like, 25 hours on the internet? That doesn't seem right. I, I will say this. I will even confess this. I, I have a, um, I think Fritz has talked about this before. I have a video game I like to play, okay? And, and um, I don't want y'all to think I'm weird or super violent. I'm not a violent guy. But it's called Sniper Elite. 
I love being a sniper. Love it. And I get on this game, and, and I'm playing through the game, and we're trying to defeat the Nazis, and we're trying to find the shipment of guns, and I've got to crawl through the bushes and, and shoot the bad guys and shoot the, the train depot and blow everything up. And here's the thing. I'm so bad at it. I'm a horrible. I'm horrible. I'm just, it's, but, but I play the game. And here's the thing. If you don't play video games very much, you may not know this. But when you finish a level, most games will tell you how long it took you to finish the game. Now, understand I'm bad at it. I'm sure my son could do way better. But I'm going to tell you, when that little number comes up, man, it is convicting. Our time tells us what we value. Our time tells us what we love. And there are so many more things that I spend my time on than God's word. So how do we apply this? How do we take this truth that God's word sustains and that God's word matters most? You know, I think it's interesting that those statements, you could even make the case that, that Jeremiah is, is saying, uh, he's giving us a perspective on what God's word does for our health. So, so God, it, it sustains me. I ate them. It became a joy to me. It became life to me. And that, and that God's statement is this other perspective of God, what God's word does in the world. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you will be as a fortified wall. So we've got these two beautiful things that God's word does for, for our health and for the health of the world. But the question is, how do we even apply this? How, how do we take God's word sustains, God's word matters most. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing now, okay? Um, this is, I, I'm doing this in conversations with people. I'm doing this, uh, going to try to do this more with my family. I'm certainly doing it online. I would encourage you to do it too. And it's very simple to understand, but hard to do. And it is the Todd Wright, I'm going to patent it, the Todd Wright two-tier test for should I say something? So when I am in tough conversations, either online or in person, in-person conversations are way better to have about serious issues, this is this new plan that I do in, in my head. Should I say something? The first question I'm, I'm trying to ask myself is, do I know a scripture that applies here? If, I, if I'm in a tough conversation where we're talking about big issues, do I know what God's word says about that? And if the answer is yes, then I say that. I, I, I talk about that. I let that guide me. I use that wisdom, not my own. So do I know a scripture that applies here? Yes. Okay, I'm going to come at it from that way. But if the answer is no, should I say something? Do I know if a scripture applies here? The answer is no. Well, then what I do is I don't say anything. And I go read my Bible. I listen. I'm quiet. I'm, I'm trying to be an active listener. But I'm trying to be more careful about popping off when I don't know what I'm talking about. And my hope is that it will drive me back to God's word. And that I will even be honest enough to say that. To be open about that. Oh my goodness, that's a, good, that's a good point. I haven't really thought about that. Let me think about that and then go and find out what God's word says about it. You know, you remember when God responds to Jeremiah there, he says that he, has, he set Jeremiah free. He says, I set you free for their good. It's in verse 11. If you, some of you want that. 
Some of you want that. I, I want to be set free for the good of the world. God, I, I want to be used. I want to make an impact. I want, to, I want to enact real change. I want to see things better. If you want that, if you want to be a fortified wall, like verse 20 says, you have to go to God's word. You have to have it in you. God's word sustains and God's word matters most. I know that it's a tough time for a lot of us. And if you're here or watching online and if you are like me and you are struggling with that anxiety and the, that depression and that sadness, and I know a lot of you struggle with that way more than I do, let me just say, first of all, that I'm sorry that that's happening to you and I'm, I wanna pray for you. And if, you, if you'd like me to pray for you, you can email me, Todd at BethelBible.com or find me today. I'd love to talk to you and pray for you. Don't want to belittle that. It's a very real thing that's happening right now. The world is in a strange, strange place. But I want you to know that God's word sustains. And God's word matters most. I'm going to have Drew and the band come up. We're going to sing um, a chorus or maybe two of the song he taught us. A song called Ruin Me. Because it's such a great word for us in light of Jeremiah 15 that our prayer would be that God would pull down all of these idols, all of these ways we go backward, all of these things we give our time and attention to, that he would destroy those idols until he's the one we live for and until his word fills us up. We'll pray in just a second and then Drew and the band will, will play and then he'll, he'll dismiss you. But Please hear me, please hear me. God's word sustains and God's word matters most. And I just want you to know, if you're convicted by Jeremiah 15, join the club. I'm convicted by it. I think I'm convicted by it more today, preaching it and looking at it again than when I first decided this is what we would talk about. God's word sustains, God's word matters most. Be in God's word. It is hope filled, it is truth, it is grace, it is life. It will fortify you. It will strengthen you. It will bring God glory. Let me pray for us today. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the conviction of it. It's sometimes things. It's not always fun. But God, I do thank you. I do thank you that you use your word and, and, and it so perfectly applies to us every time we open up it. Every time we look at it, every time we read scripture, God, we see your truth and your power. God, would you help us to remember that it's your word that sustains us? Would you help us to come to your word with a sense of desperation and with hunger? That we would devour your word. We would eat it and it would become life and joy to us. And would you help us to remember that your word is what the world needs? And let that guide us in every conversation, in every moment. Destroy these things that we've put ahead of you. We don't want to go backwards. We want to follow after you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's sing together.